Welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Alex Wolf here, and I am breaking down the biggest news in the NBA from yesterday. Kyrie Irving wants out of Brooklyn. Should the Knicks be interested? No, they should not. I'll spoil it right now, but I'm still going to talk about it anyway. Plus, catching up on some other trade rumors before trade deadline week next week, one of the biggest weeks of the NBA season and potentially a pivotal one for the Knicks next on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks. Your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes. Right now. Starts with a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up, up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. He's Anthony for three. All right, welcome in to Locked On Knicks. Today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash LockedOnNBA. And I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day, whether you're checking us out on your favorite podcast platform or taking in the sights and sounds on YouTube. We appreciate you making us part of your daily routine. And if you're not already, be sure to hit subscribe on YouTube and hit the notification bell so you never miss an episode. Or if you're doing it in podcast form, be sure to subscribe and hit auto download so you never miss an episode. I'm Alex Wolf. I'm editor-in-chief of Knicks site, The Strickland, which you can find at strict.land. And I am going to talk about the biggest thing that happened in the NBA yesterday. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see I can't help but do this with a smile on my face. It's, uh, it's, it's always a little fun to see these things happen across the river, uh, considering how much the Knicks were panned for not pulling off, quote-unquote, signing uh, Durant and this fella. But uh, Kyrie Irving has requested a trade out of Brooklyn. Uh, I'll just run through the the announcements from Woj, although Shams from The Athletic also had this. Michael Scotto from uh, Hoops Hype had some notes on that, uh, I think either late last night or this morning too. So, you know, shouts to everybody that was on top of this story, but I'll just read the Woj tweets verbatim here. Uh, Brooklyn Nets star Kyrie Irving has told the franchise that he wants to be traded ahead of Thursday's deadline. Sources tell ESPN uh, there would there were some talks on a new deal for Irving, but no deal was reached and a trade request is delivered to the organization today. Sources tell ESPN Irving can leave the franchise this summer as a free agent. Among rival teams, there's far more interest in, in inquiring on Kevin Durant's reaction to Kyrie Irving's trade request and how this may impact KD's future with the Nets. So far, the Lakers, Mavericks, and Suns have interest in trading for Kyrie Irving. Still, reluctance remains with making a commitment to a new contract upon his arrival. So, first off, just about this news. I mean, pretty pretty crazy stuff. Uh, seems like the, I don't know what we're calling this era in Brooklyn. I would have said the big three, of, but the big three only lasted for like five minutes. Uh, the big two, the Durant and Irving era, whatever, seems like, it is about to reach its conclusion. I would imagine, unlike the situation with Durant over the offseason where the Nets sort of held all the power, in this scenario, Irving has at least some measure 
of being able to get this done just by virtue of requesting it because he's a free agent this summer, which changes things. Durant maybe foolishly signed an extension with the Nets uh, before last season. And if I think that was the timeline, whatever the case, he signed an extension, which means that he's now signed there long term because he was like, oh, I want to commit. And then, yeah, it was before last season because then he was like, oh, and then James Harden will do it too. And then James Harden didn't. And then they wound up trading him by the deadline. And then Kyrie Irving didn't. And now it looks like they're going to trade him before a deadline too. So Durant, when he requested a trade over the offseason, it was like, well, they were able to ask for the world because the guy signed for like three more years, I think, uh, after this year. So uh, there was kind of no reason for the Nets to rush to trade him. Irving, they will probably rush to trade and get him gone by the deadline. And for how much, who knows? Uh, you know, out of the teams that are listed to be interested there, the Lakers, Mavs, and Suns, I think the Suns are the only ones that have all of their own picks intact going forward, if I'm not mistaken. The Lakers obviously are very tied up as far as draft picks are concerned, but also super desperate. So I, I don't know what a deal would look like coming from them. They would have to include whatever picks they could, which I think they could do either their 20. I, I think it comes down to they can only do their 2026 and 2028 or or 2027 or something like that. I, I forget, but it's pretty far in advance picks uh, for the Lakers there. So I don't know. It, it was, we'll see, I guess, if there's a bidding war or not. And if some team is willing to essentially extend and trade Irving, uh, but I will say the one thing that I'm super encouraged by throughout all this is that the Knicks are not on that list. Uh, I feel like every other time, and I think even even back over the summer when there was when like KD had made the trade request, then there was talk of like, oh, well, does this mean that they're gonna trade Kyrie as well? I think there was talk of like, oh, well, if they trade KD, would the Knicks be interested in trading for Kyrie and this sort of thing? And you know, it's like Kyrie is a local kid. You know, he grew up in New Jersey, and uh, the Knicks obviously were linked to him and and KD before they signed with Brooklyn. Um, so you know, there's every time that there's been any whisperings of like, oh, Kyrie might hit the market. It's always been like, oh, would the Knicks be interested? And so I was very thankful to see that he was not <laughs> on, or that the Knicks were not on on the list of teams that are apparently inquiring about him. I, I don't see any reason why you would want to inject a Kyrie Irving into this locker room. Like if there's one thing that the Knicks really have right this year, it's that they seem to have a locker room that really likes one another. Uh, they all go to bat for one another. They all, you know, there's been no reports of dissension or anything this year. Like there sort of was last year, like where Randall seemed to not have his head screwed on straight last year, this year he does. And, you know, everybody's being supportive of him. He's being supportive of everybody else. Jalen Brunson seems to be like a great, guiding light here you would figure if you're going to trade for irving that they'd probably be like well we want jalen brunson back and i think you'd have to be an absolute insane person to trade jalen brunson who's on the upswing right now for like and who has a good head on his shoulders for a Kyrie irving who is so flaky and extremely problematic off the court which i won't even get into all that but there's you know a lot to be worried about there so i'm very happy that the knicks are not interested in Kyrie Irving I was just I did just want to like quickly play like revisionist history and just think about what could be different had the Knicks signed Durant and Irving 
mean, if you think about it, <laughs> Steve Mills and Scott Perry might still be in power over the team, which seems so far away at this point. But like that was that was the landscape. Like they were the guys that were making the pitch to Durant and Irving, and that couldn't ultimately get them. Uh, David Fisdale might still be the coach. I this I doubt because you know that that core in Brooklyn has go- already gone through a number of coaches. So I don't think that would be the case, but there's a chance that Fisdale would have gotten even longer with the team, which would have been equally as damaging, I think. Uh, who knows if if they get Emmanuel quickly, Quentin Grimes, Deuce McBride, Obi Toppin, Jericho Sims, because they wouldn't have had the same scouting staff. So a lot of these young players that we really love on the Knicks right now probably would not be Knicks because they just wouldn't have had the the staff that they have now that sort of picked those guys out of the, you know, out of the rubble, like found the diamonds in the rough, you know? Uh, so that probably wouldn't have happened. Um, RJ Barrett probably isn't a Nick anymore, which based off YouTube comments and stuff lately, seems like maybe people are more on board with than not, I guess I would be sad if that was the case. Uh, he probably would have been traded for James Harden, who then would Ben Simmons might, I mean, literally I can't think of any other way that this could have gone than almost exactly how it went for the Nets. So like in reality, Ben Simmons would probably be a Nick right now uh, by virtue of being traded for James Harden, who would have also been a Nick at a certain, just lots of, lots of mess to consider there. Uh, All in all, I just think if we look at this retrospectively, uh, a lot of headaches have been avoided for basically the same amount of success uh, as far as what they've accomplished over the last few years. Now, granted, we'll see what the the Nets are able to get back for Irving. And if they, if it still leaves the window open this year, they've obviously played quite well. And Durant has been playing probably his best basketball of his career. And they had like a really long winning streak at one point this year. Like things don't look terrible. So maybe they win a championship this year or something. And that makes it all, all the headaches worth it, uh, even without having Irving. But if they don't, if they don't even make like an Eastern Conference finals, then Ultimately, they've had about the same amount of success as the Knicks have, except for the Knicks have a team of guys that actually want to be here, a lot of flexibility in draft picks, and the Nets are going to be left as sort of a tore down <laughs> wasteland uh, after this trade goes through. So just feeling pretty thankful for that at the moment. Uh, it's uh, it's good to be a Knicks fan sometimes, contrary to what people might tell you. Uh, so real quick before I get into some other, some Ian Begley reporting from the other day, some Mike Scotto reporting from the other day, I do have to just quickly let you guys know that today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn. And as a small business owner, or hiring manager, you know, that success in 2023 all depends on team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn jobs with LinkedIn jobs. You can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experience to help you achieve your goals. And I've never really been a hiring manager using a site like a LinkedIn, you know, usually my, <laughs> when I do quote unquote hiring, it's a little more grassroots, like on Twitter or whatever. But uh, I will say that as a job seeker, 
looking for full-time jobs, LinkedIn has always put the best jobs in front of me. That's because LinkedIn jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates. Identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn jobs and connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn jobs makes it easier to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash locked on MBA. That's linkedin.com slash locked on MBA to post your job for free terms and conditions apply. All right. And I'm back to continue Talking through some trade rumors, these ones are ones that the Knicks are actually involved in uh, rather than just the the Irving saga. So Ian Begley dropped a of SNY. Uh, if you're not following, what the heck are you even doing with your life? But uh, you can check him out on, on Twitter and also just on the SNY Knicks page. Um, but had a mailbag the other day reporting on some of the well, I won't say reporting on some of the rumors. It was more answering people's questions uh, that they wanted to know regarding the status of a few players, which I think included a few illuminating tidbits. I was honestly going to get into it the other day, but then it was like, uh, well, the Knicks had a game to play and Julius Randle was an all-star. So here we are. We're going to just play a little, little catch up here. So on Cam Reddish, Ian Begley wrote the following. These are uh, first two paragraphs are in order. The last one is just from towards the end. Uh, but so he said on Reddish at one point before a game on December 4th, Reddish expressed displeasure to a Nick assistant coach about the way Thibodeau was using him per people familiar with the matter. Reddish has not played since he expressed that displeasure. Does that factor into why Thibodeau has kept Reddish out of the rotation? I don't know the answer to that question. And then from later on, Begley said, uh, it would be surprising if the Knicks got a strong package in return for Reddish at this point. Teams know they're planning to trade him, so they aren't incentivized to make big offers, and Reddish is entering restricted free agency. Um, yeah, interesting. I mean, this sort of underscores some of the problems with Tibbs. Uh, you know, I think that we've seen this play out in a similar way before with the Donovan Mitchell trade package over the offseason where, you know, we as Knicks fans were sitting there being like, no, like, you know, having to, it, 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 people having to get into arguments on Twitter all the time being like, no, you don't understand. Like Emmanuel quickly is good. Obi Toppin is good. Uh, you know, uh, Quentin Grimes is good. Like they just never got to play because Tibbs doesn't like them for some reason. It's not because they're not good. Like when they've been on the floor, they've, they've been good. And, this sounds exactly like that. Like this sounds more or less like I would assume that Reddish said that he didn't like his role or whatever. And then Tibbs said, well, if you don't like that role, you get no role is what it seems like. If you read the tea leaves here, there's no way to know for sure. But if it, if it ultimately comes down to that and not that like Reddish's representation said, Hey, keep him out of all games going forward. We want to trade that doesn't look great on Tibbs again because now we're hearing, oh, okay, this guy that the Knicks gave up a, I mean, granted, heavily protected, but protect, you know, at first nonetheless, it gave up a first round pick for this dude last year, and now we're going to be able to get basically nothing back and just send him somewhere just for like a tryout. That's not great business. And, you know, he was providing something on the court, so 
ultimately it's kind of on the coach to handle role requests and, you know, people being displeased with what they're doing, like on a team and say, Hey, we'll still find a role for you, but I need you to like, I need you to, to come out and play for me and, and, you know, be a good soldier about this. And, you know, it seems like Tibbs is not very good at that. So I don't know what totally to make of that. Uh, I also don't know where Cam's going to end up, but it's a little annoying that, you know, again, as someone who watched him earlier this year, there's clearly some good, some good traits in, involved with playing Cam Reddish on the floor. And yet, you know, there's no reward for that. You know, there's like the Knicks are trying to trade a player that showed some really good flashes as like a three and D guy this year that can also attack off the dribble a little bit. That was like a menace in transition. Like he's, he's got the tools and yet, the Knicks can't sell that to anybody now because now all these teams are going to say is like, well, then why has he been out of the rotation for like 35 games? Um, so yeah, it's a, a little disappointing, a little bit of an indictment on Tibbs again. Uh, then Ian went on to report later on in the, in the uh, article on OG Ananobi. He said, I'm sure the Knicks still have a level of interest in Ananobi, but they will almost certainly have to surrender multiple firsts and at least one young player they like to acquire him. So yeah, that's uh that sounds about right. I mean, multiple first, one young player. I would assume the young player would they would probably push for it to be Obi Toppin, considering Ananobi would most directly eat into his minutes. Uh, I would assume that the Raptors would probably want like Emmanuel quickly to replace uh Malachi Flynn's displaced spot in their rotation, or they would want Quentin Grimes, because every team would want Quentin Grimes. Like, essentially, if you get Grimes, you're getting, like, just a, a smaller version of OG Ananobi that still has two years left on his rookie deal. Um, I think the Knicks would probably rebuff on both those, because it seems like they're very, very high on both those players. And I think they would ultimately settle on top in. Uh, then you'd probably get, like, a Rose in there for salary fill purposes, perhaps a Reddish, just to sort of sweeten the pot a little bit. And then I would assume they'd probably only deal in their protected first round picks, but who's to say, um, you know, I, I actually just did uh, the Raptors over everything pod for uh, Yahoo sports Canada and went on as a guest and talked about this. And the deal that I ultimately came down on was just a little higher than what I literally recorded. Like, like three, four days ago was Obi cam Derek Rose for salary matching. But I also think they could use Derek Rose. And then three of the protected picks that the Knicks own. Three out of the four protected picks. So they have, or potentially the Knicks own 2023 pick this year. Because I think that's, you can pretty safely say at this point, the Knicks are going to most likely make the playoffs. And especially if they would acquire a player like Ananobi that could really raise their their ceiling a bit. Um, you know, I think it's safe to say that that pick will be like 20th or something. Um, so, you know, if that's, something that the Raptors would be open to. I, I could see the Knicks potentially making that deal. We'll have to just see how it all plays out, I guess. But interesting little tidbit for me in that it, it, they're still interested. It's just the the negotiation terms have changed a little bit from whenever it was earlier this year when the Knicks were a little more against the wall and a little more desperate and had, uh, per Ian's reporting like a week ago, offered three first-round picks, presumably all the, the protected ones. 
uh, four on Anobi at that time. So I have one more note from from Ian, uh, which is about Emmanuel Quickly, a good one, and then uh, a interesting note of interest about the Knicks from Mike Scotto of Hoops Hype, who was just on here recently. But first, I just have to remind you guys that today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sportsbook in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. And you, you, <laughs> I mentioned it all week. I'm going to keep hammering it till the Super Bowl. I'm going to be on that same game parlay. Something in, involving uh, Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts throwing for lots of yards and touchdowns and stuff. I think this go- game is going to end up being a very entertaining Super Bowl and a shootout, which makes it perfect for a same-game parlay. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. And best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. And I- I'll tell you guys, I've been using this app since before we were paid to, <laughs> back when we were promoting other betting entities and it's definitely the best app and the the instant payouts are certainly very nice so join fanduel today at fanduel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on super bowl 57 that's fanduel.com slash locked on make every moment more with fanduel official sportsbook partner of the nfl all right and back to finish up this little trade deadline week pre-primer whatever you want to call it and uh, one last note from Ian Begley here. This one's pretty quick before I get into this final thing, but just thought I'd, thought I'd note it. It's a nice uh, nice turnaround, nice change of pace. Uh, on Emmanuel Quickly, uh, Ian said, I'd heard earlier this month that the Knicks felt good about where things were with Quickly and had no interest in trying to determine a potential trade market for him. So I'd assume he'd only be moved ahead of the trade deadline as part of a package for a top star. So to bring it all back to the first segment, sounds like they're only going to look to move on from quickly if they can get like Kevin Durant <laughs> or something like that. So good to hear. Uh, Emmanuel quickly has played fantastic. I've got to say too, like I had made the case for potentially moving him for a first round pick before having to pay him uh, earlier in the season and totally against that. Now at this point, I think that he's, he's proven that the jump shot isn't just what is going to keep him on the floor at this point. He does so many fantastic things where especially the finishing like he needed to find something else on offense and the finishing has been it where now he can go oh five from three and it doesn't hurt the team because he's still doing so much getting inside you know creating offense for others that way and all that stuff so very happy to hear that the Knicks seem uh as committed as ever to Emmanuel quickly right now uh so we have a report from Mike Scotto to end things off here of Hoops Hype who again we just had on recently um published a rumors column that was more about Kyrie Irving, uh, naturally, since that's the big news of the day. But then at the end, had a little note about the Knicks. So I'll read uh, real quick what he said there. He said, the Knicks and Jazz have had exploratory conversations surrounding Obi Toppin, Evan Fournier, and draft pick compensation for Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt, league sources told Hoops Hype. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know quite how to feel about that one. We talked about Malik Beasley, I think, briefly in one of our trade episodes recently where we were sort of laying out like the types of players we would like the Knicks to go after. 
uh, for you know the the deadline. And Beasley, I think, intrigues me. He's a former twenty point per game scorer uh, for the Timberwolves. Did he do that for the Timberwolves? Yeah, that was that was with the Timberwolves that he was the twenty point per game scorer. So I mean, that's that's good. You know, he, he scores fairly efficiently. Like his his overall like slash line doesn't really belie his actual impact. Like he shoots such a high volume of threes as his, you know, primary source of scoring that he shoots a pretty good percentage on threes. Like I think for his career, something like 36, 37% or like 35 even. And if you do that on high volume, you're going to keep teams honest. He's not the best finisher uh, and doesn't shoot the best on twos, but if he's just a three-point gunner that can be out there and, and potentially cook that way, and you have an Emmanuel quickly with the bench unit that can feed him, I think that could be pretty useful for the Knicks. I think in many ways, Beasley could end up being sort of like your Alec Burks, uh, although not as good of a defender like Burks at times. And, and to be clear, Burks in his actual role as a bench wing rather than the role that Tibbs put him in last year as a point guard, which did not work. I'm not at all advocating for Beasley for point guard. Um, but I think, you know, if he's out there and he can sort of be the, the second or third fiddle on that, you know, that, that secondary lineup, or if you still kind of do the thing that Tiz has been doing where you keep RJ out there for a decent amount with the, the bench players, and then just sort of sub quickly in for RJ's spot for at least some part of the time with the starters. Uh, I think that could really work because then if you have, if you have quickly RJ and, then Beasley out there as your third scorer, the Knicks bench might finally have a little bit of a scoring punch to it that it hasn't had for a lot of this year. Then Jared Vanderbilt, that's a name we haven't really heard connected to the Knicks, but I do like him. Uh, I think in some ways he gives you sort of like a like what you would get out of an Ananobi trade, but without the scoring. Like in a weird way, I almost think the trading for Beasley and Vanderbilt is almost like if you took OG Ananobi and like like pulled him in half and like one half is the scoring and the other half is like the defense and the intangibles and the rebounding and stuff. Uh, I don't think Vanderbilt is he hasn't proven to this point in his career to be a really great scorer, uh, but he's a, a good like get you a few points, get your rebounds, defend his butt off, that sort of guy. Uh, and I, you know, he's the sort of guy that would probably be valuable on, on pretty much any team. So you know, I, I would like to see him on the Knicks, especially if, you know, if the concern has been with Obi, like that his defense is not good enough to keep him on the floor or whatever, then, you know, the logical move would be, okay, we'll get a guy that plays roughly the same position but can defend better. And so if, if that's how the Knicks are feeling and that's how Tibbs is feeling and whatever, then getting Vanderbilt essentially for Obi would make sense to me. Um I guess the only thing this comes down to, right, that this proposed offer that Scotto put in there, the, the proposed framework was OB, Evan Fournier, and pick compensation. I guess it just kind of comes down to like, well, what's the pick compensation then? If it's multiple, even of the protected first round picks, I don't know that either of those guys moves the needle enough for me to be like, yes, I will give up two first round picks to do that, especially considering OB is a a good player. Like I stand by that. I don't, I don't see the rush to move on from him, but if the Knicks are determined to, it would be better to get someone they trust more to play bigger minutes because Obi's just not getting a lot of minutes right now. Um, 
that said, I, Scotto had noted in his report that that the Knicks were considering Obi to be sort of a first round pick in this exchange. So, but then there was also some language about how like, okay, well they, they are seeking a first round pick for each of the players. So one each for Vanderbilt and Beasley, which I don't know that they'll get, but that's, that's their asking price apparently. And we, we know how stubborn Ainge can be based off the summer. Uh, but then also that they would consider taking on Fournier to be another thing that's worthy of getting a first round pick for, which then, so then even if you're including Obi and even if both sides agree, like, okay, Obi top and equals first round pick, that would mean that you're still short two first round picks. And I don't, I, I'm just not with that whole idea. If I'm being honest, you know, I, I don't, I don't think that it would be worth it to do that. I would maybe say, Hey, you can, you know, Luka Doncic just got hurt. Uh, we have their pick top 10 protected for the next three years, you know, but top 10 protected this year. And there's a very real chance that with Luca hurt, you know, if the, if the Mavs don't have him, they're probably not doing much of anything. Um, so, you know, maybe you get a late lotto pick this year out of that, or like the 15th pick, you know, if they slide in the, just inside the play in or whatever and end up the eight seed, but you know, maybe you can entice them with that. Other than that, I'm like, I'm not super high on the idea of giving up multiple firsts. So like if they're willing to take one, you can talk them into being better than the others. Fine. Even if it's the Knicks own pick this year, I feel pretty safe saying that I think the Knicks pick will probably end up better than the Mavs pick now at this point. So, but if they, if the unprotected thing like gets them, you know, excited, then cool. You know, I'd maybe give up that pick in the steal, but that's, that's about as far as I'd go. And, you know, honestly, I, I feel like I've been pretty stingy when I look at these proposed deals lately and when I'm trying to think of my own uh, potential offers for them. But the reason is because the Knicks don't have to panic right now. They're in a really good spot. Like they have a good young roster. I think the only thing that really needs to happen before the deadline is you got to move Cam Reddish somehow and just hopefully get someone that you can slot into the rotation in return for him. Uh, And that's the only thing that I would feel any sort of sense of urgency if I was the Knicks to do. Otherwise it's just sort of like, it's very similar to the Mitchell situation over the summer. It's like we're in a good spot right now. If Jalen Brunson, who's broken out this year, Julius Randle, who's really figured himself back out, RJ Barrett, who has had a little tumult this year, but all in all, you know, is fine, I think. And the core is fine and the team is playing well. They're they're as high up in the standings at this point in the season as I think they've been in the last like <laughs> decade, like since 12-13. So there's no reason to like panic here. I think that they just need to kind of take things as they are and make offers, obviously. But if things don't turn into something, don't feel like they have to make, you know, some huge splash just to make it and overpay for somebody. So we'll see how it all goes. Big, big week this coming week, trade deadline week. So it's all, it's all going to be a, a real fun time, but uh, we'll have you covered on locked on Knicks. And until next time, thank you all for listening and I'll talk to you all soon. Peace out.